here we are showing up wholeheartedly vulnerable and empowered. This is Pocket Amy. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in for this episode of Pocket Amy. I have a confession to make. Sometimes I think I'm getting more confident and more bold and I'm more committed than ever to not toning it down, to showing up as my true, authentic self and realizing that I can't exaggerate God's love for me and I can't exaggerate his desire to see me flourish and expand and to be fruitful in his kingdom that he's never tired of seeing me blessed and cheering me on like a good good father would I think I'm getting to the point where I'm really rocking all of that And then I realize, oh, I do spend a lot of time around people who are like-minded or who have already demonstrated that they accept me and that they love me and that they even have similar ideas. They even have similar thought processes and and frames of reference. And so I realize I'm not nearly as courageous as I think I am because as soon as I get around people that might just think differently than me, might have a different theological or doctrinal viewpoint than I do, or they might just have some other reasons or some other ways where they might not really be okay with some of the things I think or say, believe or do. I realize, oh my gosh, there's still this chicken inside of me. Like I'm armored up and shut down all at the same time and that I'm not necessarily always in this arena with my safe people, with my tribe, with people that I know love and accept me. And I'm, I'm thinking today in this episode called rock ballad for the wilderness of a situation where I had the microphone and I was asked to pray and I was asked to release some spiritual things in a group full of Christians. They were all believers, but I realized this was outside of my normal scenario, my normal setup where I'm kind of surrounded by people that I know, they know me. And so even if I mess up or I say something that's not quite right, or I leave something out, I omit something, or I say something stupid, you know, there's just so much, you know, grace when you're with people that know your heart and they know your, you know, where you're coming from, your point of view, and they just love you, even if you are being an idiot. So like, I realized that safety was not in this particular room because I was with a very wide variety of people, believers from all across our community, from all different kinds of denominations and churches. And and so I realized I was really kind of nervous, even though all I was asked to do was to pray over the issue of violence in our city. You would think that would be something that would be a unifying topic. It's like, well, we all agree the violence is bad. And um, and I, I could have thought of a thousand things to say and to pray that would have been completely digestible and palatable to everyone. There was no reason at all to say anything controversial. And yet I was asked to pray over the issue of violence against women in our city and in our county and in our communities in general. 
And I remember there was like this little bit of courage and sass that started to kind of get stirred up inside of me. And I kind of wanted to show up as my whole self and be super authentic and spunky and an advocate and ally for women. And I remember just struggling a little bit, but but not really. Like I felt, I felt pretty confident that I was supposed to, instead of just being generic, to be specific about this oppression and violence against women that has been around since the fall of the human race. Since the very beginning of scripture in, in Genesis 3, it was part of the consequences of this world not being as God designed it, where women were fashioned to rule and reign and take dominion right alongside this male. But instead, this, this consequence and this curse coming into being where women would be subservient and maybe even exploited and maybe even abused. And I remember as I addressed this big crowd of men and women who were there to pray for peace instead of violence in our community, that I felt like I had this provocative word for everyone there that because of Jesus and the way he treated women, because of seeing in the scripture even even in the Old Testament, seeing God's heart for the oppressed, for the widow, for the orphan, for the marginalized, it, it's clear to me that we sometimes lose sight of it, but that our theology should be based on this beautiful reality that God is a good father who does not want to see his daughters being oppressed, and that if we are going to be a prophetic voice in our communities, if we're going to speak against violence, we have to be sometimes quite specific and say we cannot tolerate any um, oppression or um, the suppression of women in our midst, in our faith communities, in our churches. I remember falling in love with the the prostitutes that I saw in scripture and not only with, with their heart and their devotion to Jesus, but also just noticing Jesus' response to these women and to those, you know, the women caught in adultery or the woman at the well or or women in general in any um, station in life. And I realized that I had an opportunity to just remind the church that we need to have the same mind as Christ, the same mindset, the same humility where he emptied himself of privilege and advantage and everything it was to be um, the begotten son and the divine one to come to earth and humble himself to the human experience. And he took that so far for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, but he emptied himself. He became humble and he really expressed that to women and his heart and his orientation and his actions towards women. It's just so noticeable to me. So my whole life, I've been pursuing this idea of looking for the brokenhearted, the marginalized, the oppressed, and especially um, women who have been abused and 
oftentimes I didn't have to look for them. They, they found me first. Um, but speaking into their life, the dignity and the empowerment that I know is found in the heart of Jesus and in, in the heart of Father and Holy Spirit as well. So because I've been in the church my entire life, you know, at one point, three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, vacation Bible school, Bible quiz team, like I feel like I've been so steeped in in church and a part of the body of Christ long enough that I've earned the right to speak to these blind spots and to say, I love the body of Christ. I love the bride of Christ so much. Um, I'm not here to rail against them or criticize them just to be, um, you know, cynical or bitter or resentful in any way. I'm not an angry woman or, you know, some people might even say an angry feminist. Um, that's not, that's not at all who I am, but I do want to have the courage when the time is right, um, to remind everyone, um, that, that patriarchy and the suppression of women or exploitation of women or abuse of women has to be addressed in the church first before it's ever going to be addressed on a civic city community level um, because we're the head and not the tail and what we release and what we declare and what we, the anointing that we come in um, to right the wrongs. Um, it just, it has so much impact and it has the ripple effects that I believe is released into the spiritual atmosphere over even geographical re regions so I had the courage to start this little tiny talk with this little tiny prayer. I was only up there, only had the mic for a few minutes. But I started it with this phrase. I said, look at your neighbor and tell them she's not mad. <laughs> because I wanted them to know before I said anything else that I wasn't angry or bitter, um, but that I was serious and that I wanted to call them into a deeper commitment to the empowerment and the dignity and the honor that women deserve within the body of Christ and out in the world. And um, so I decided to write a spoken word or a poem with that same first line, look at your neighbor and tell them she's not mad. And I entitled it for some reason, can't even remember why now, but I love it. Uh, I entitled it, Rock Ballad for the Wilderness. Look at your neighbor and tell them she's not mad. I'm not mad because my Reverend Strong said, come up here and preach your heart out, girl. 15 years old, heart on fire, too innocent to realize just how countercultural this entire moment was. Enter a man so secure that he can carry my amp. Make sure my mic is working and turn me loose on a school stage. He saw the platform and lifted me up on that stage. Every day since, I haven't been mad, but glad. Glad to be a woman in a pulpit on a platform. But still, over the years, I began to notice how rare, how illegitimate in some circles. I'm not mad, but I see a harrowing parallel. Women oppressed in this world, but first in the body. In a sling, 
in a cast, limited mobility, how can we swing our swords? <laughs>